Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. 16. We are in our message series, Talking Back. We're finishing it up today. And uh, thank you, Mike. You're good to go. Amen. He's been up here for a minute. Thank you, Mike. Actually, let me get a picture of you. I need a I asked Mike a picture for the website, and he gave me like some lounging picture of him. <laughs> like, uh, just, there we go. You'll see that one on the website real soon right there. Just get two things done at once, right? That's efficient, right? Like, we want to be efficient in our lives. We don't want to waste time. You're good. And uh, make sure the board's all cleaned up when you go back there, if you would, please. Hey, we're finishing up our message series today. We're starting a new message series next week where we're also going to have prayer. I want you to try to make time to come to intercession next Sunday night. We're going to declare some things. We're going to come into some stuff. We're going to lay hands on people and God is going to do something among us. Amen. Amen. So here, here is the, um, here's the challenge that we have as Christians. Jesus, Jesus came as a warrior, but he didn't come as a warrior needing a sword or a hammer or a physical army. Um, we have culture warriors today, and that's, that's not what Jesus was either. These, these, these today's culture warriors specialize in shame, indignation. They specialize in condemnation. And, and uh, if we could be honest, they don't really accomplish much. Um, we're, they're fighting the battle on the wrong front. And what we want to do as 21st century spirit-filled Christians is figure out how Jesus in three years of ministry was able to launch something that changed the world when our country has been fighting the same culture wars for generations and gotten nowhere. It's so important for our witness today, more than ever, that we fight the war that God has given us to fight on the battleground he's given us to win it on. There are people who are winning the culture war, but losing a generation to the devil. And, and it is not a winning plan. So we want to finish up today talking about how we win this war with the world. Now we have talked, if you've missed our message series, you want to catch up. This is the sixth message. Um, uh, uh, we, we, we've talked about this, this axis of evil that we're fighting with Christ, the church is fighting in the, in, the, in the world, the flesh, and the devil. We started off talking about the devil. We then moved on to the flesh and talking about the world here. And um, Jesus shifted the focus when he came. The religious leaders of the day were having culture wars. They were saying who was doing things the right way or saying the right stuff or having the right dress or the right uh, code of talking. And, and, and Jesus came and he, he completely, he shifted it from the religious arguments of the day. He, he, he didn't buy into any of it. And um, today we're going to finish up by talking about overcoming the world. And, and we talked a little about yesterday, excuse me, last Sunday, we talked about how the lie, here, it, it, give me my next slide if you would, for some reason it's not firing here. Go ahead. The, 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 the lie that we um, have no control over our desires, our life choices, or our community, it's a trap of the devil to make you choose the ways of the world. This is, this is what the enemy wants to do. It, we're going to pause for a moment because they want to change the lights. Go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. Do it. Go ahead. It, so, so it's this trap 
that the enemy wants you to be in. Wants you to think that, you know, I was born this way. There's nothing I can do about it. My family comes from this background. That's who we are. This is what I've always known. There's, I'm, 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 I'm a victim to it. And, it. and it's just, it's not true. We have the ability to gain victory over the devil. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 16. Are you guys able to switch the lights to the preaching lights? Is it frozen? Eh, the lights are frozen. Can you all see me? then it is what it is. Amen? Then amen. Just stay on the, the pro presenter, if you would, please. So we want, here we, well, something happened. Nothing good, but something happened. <laughs> well, we're going to work this out. I feel it. I feel it in my spirit. We're going to work it out. We're going to work it out. Here we go. Are we almost there? Nope. <laughs> I'm glad we're family. Remember the videos you just recorded of me. Remember the videos and how appreciative you are. And just lean into that for a moment. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 21, is what we're going to focus on today. <clears throat> From that time, now Jesus begins to shift. As soon as these people found out that Jesus is Lord, Peter confessed him as the Christ. Everything changes from here. This is, this is a turning point in the story of Jesus. Um, when, you read, when you read the Bible, I'm going to talk more about this next week. When we read the Bible, we've got we to gotta understand this is, this is an entire world that's being laid out for us. And it's laid out in a way that Holy Spirit wanted it laid out. And right here, the story shifts. Peter, it, it, like the Holy Ghost, he's in, he's in proximity to Jesus long enough that he, he gets it, that he's the Messiah. And, and, and Jesus lets him know, man, you got it right, Peter. And, 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 and then things begin to change. And so Jesus starts talking about, okay, now that you know that I'm Messiah, we're going to talk about what it means to live in that. So Jesus, from that time, where are we at here? Here we go. From that time, help me out if you would, Bella, in this part. It, from that time, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and to suffer many things from the elders, chief priests and scribes. And to be killed and to be raised up on the third day. And yet Peter took him to the side and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it. Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, and you are not setting your mind on God's purposes, but men's. You don't want Jesus saying that to you. That's, that's a bad day. Peter was on top of the world he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Holy Spirit has revealed this to you and, and, and you're going to get keys. And then he's like, get behind me, Satan. And it's like, ah. Verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, he turned from Peter, turned to his disciples, said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's try that again. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Man, in May, I talked about the difference between the satanic and the demonic. Do you remember that? It, that was in, this, in the life series. And I, and I talked about how the demonic wants to cause confusion and chaos and um, cloud your mind and inability to think straight. The satanic is very different. The satanic is like a poison lollipop. The, 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 demonic, the demonic is chaotic. It's the embodiment of darkness, and it threatens to undo us. It threatens to destroy us. This is the thing that you're panicked about 
in the middle of the night. And again, I talked about this on May 21st. You might want to write that down. If you didn't hear that message, write it down and go listen to that. And, and this, all of our messages are on the website. And the anointing of God that's in the room when I preach the messages is still there in the messages. And sometimes you need to just hear some messages over and over again. Get them in your spirit, man. Get them, get them working in your heart. Let the Holy Ghost do his thing. And so this demonic, is, is, it, it, threatens, it threatens to destroy you. That's how you know the demonic is at work. It, it, it tells you about a, a terrible future that it doesn't have control over. Right? Only God has control over your future. But it wants you to buy into it so you can have the destruction that it's living, living in. It's the voice that whispers in your ear that drives you crazy. That's... That's the demonic, and that's, that should be easy to discern. Now, the satanic is something different. The satanic, next slide, please. The satanic is about disorder. It's, 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 it's a false light, right? It's false order, false light. It's not about disorder, but false light and false order. It's not trying to make you crazy. It's trying to make you think it's okay that you're in sin. That's the satanic. The satanic is not telling you, um, oh, you know, oh, you're, 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 you're going you're gonna to go to jail for robbing the bank. The satanic says, I got a way out of your problems. Go rob a bank. It, it is false order. It, it is doing what you want to do, which is opposed to what God wants to have happen and to make you think that it is fully, fully, fully in God's plan. That is the, that is the satanic. And this is what Jesus begins rebuking Peter about. What's funny about this false light is it makes sense, but it does not have the knowledge or wisdom of God. It's sensual. It appeals to your flesh. It feels good to lean into this false light. Oh, everybody has it wrong. I have special knowledge. This is, this is the root of Gnosticism. I don't want to go down this road, but if you study theology at all, Gnosticism is an ancient heresy where certain people have special knowledge and special insight. And it was exposed as a heresy about the 3rd or 4th century. There's no private revelation of the scriptures, the Bible says. The scriptures are of no private revelation. What that means is there's no apostle or prophet out there who has special knowledge that nobody else has. There's either the wisdom of God or they don't. Now, there are people who are gifted to function in certain graces, and we want to sit under them, we want to learn from their relationship with God, but nobody has special knowledge about special creatures or beings or, or, or other universes. Or, that's, that, that's, all, that's all nonsense. It's all a Gnostic heresy, right? I want you to be careful of that because a lot of the New Age comes into the church through this, no oh, I just need a little bit more knowledge. No, Jesus is all the knowledge you need. Amen. Amen? God has all the knowledge that you need. The Word of God is all the knowledge. Amen. 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 Now, you may need some wisdom to apply this Word, but there's no special book out there that's not here that like, oh, if I just get the gospel of Billy Joe, that's going to... No, no, that, that, that's, that's a manifestation of us not being satisfied with God. Right? And we just want to be cognizant of that. And this is what Jesus is rebuking Peter for. He's... he's He's telling him, man, hey, you, you're, you're not following God. You're, 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 you're following Satan right now. The, the Satan has gotten you. You got you to release that. And, and then he tells him, take up your cross and follow me. And, and the cross is a symbol of jewelry a lot. It's really been culturally appropriated, if we can be honest. It has been appropriated by the world to mean I'm a Christian, 
instead of it being a symbol of death, is which, what it really is. It is the electric chair of Jesus' day. It is the guillotine of Jesus' day. It is the lethal injection. It is the um, hanging of Jesus' day. It is a sign of death. And um, we have to recognize that Jesus tells us that we are called to die. If you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. We have to die to the ways of Satan, to the flesh, and to the ways of this world that we've been talking about. And here's what's complicated about this. Boca Raton is a temple to the God of wealth. You go to Publix in Boca and you sit next to quarter million dollar cars. This is, Boca Raton is built with one God and it is money. It is wealth. It is youth. And we have to recognize we need to make money but we cannot worship money. We, we, have to, we have to receive finances. We have to manage finances. We cannot let them manage us. It is a terrible God. Money is a terrible God that consumes people and destroys communities. And so here we are Christians who die to self and live in a temple to wealth. And, and, and what this God says is anything that creates wealth is okay. If it makes money, it must be all right. And we got to let whoever's making money make more money because that is our God. Let me show you one example. New revelations that the federal that government I've seen in the news is expanding its investigation into companies Watch allegedly this. using migrant child labor. Julia Ainsley reports. These are some of the migrant children federal officials found illegally working in a slaughterhouse, raising questions about child labor in America. Tonight, NBC News learning the Department of Homeland Security, Justice Department, as well as White House officials are now examining companies in the meatpacking and produce industries who allegedly hired Guatemalan children in at least 11 states, now adding locations in Virginia, North Carolina, and Florida to the list of those already under scrutiny. According According to two U.S. officials, we first brought you the story earlier this year of more than 100 undocumented children who federal investigators say were hired to clean slaughterhouses in the dead of night, many desperate for a paycheck to send to family back home. If you mess up, you get treated like an adult, which none of these kids have the maturity to handle that emotional stress. And, and so what does Florida, like, can we all agree that children working in meatpacking industries is bad? Can we, can we agree with that? I mean, can we, I don't want to, I'm not a business leader, but children working in the middle of the night in a meatpacking industry is only because that's the cheapest labor you could absolutely find. And this is evil, right? And so Florida decided that they're going to do something about this. I don't know if you can read the headline. Florida lawmakers to consider weakening child, centuries-old child labor laws. Our, our government is working on making it legal. That is insane. Can you agree with me? This is what it looks like when wealth is the number one priority in a society. When all of our goals and all of our dreams and all of our energy is toward making money. 
I hope you're offended a little bit, but we, we got to be active in these kinds of things. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, Independent, Green Party, or whatever other parties I got out there. I don't care if you're in the Communist Party. This is a problem, right? This is bad. This is not good. This is a bad look for America, right? And, and what's happening is, because immigration is tightening, they don't have immigrants to exploit, so now they're going to begin exploiting our children. This is a problem. This is what happens when you worship wealth. Can, 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 can we agree on that? The failure of America's prophetic imagination in the body of Christ today is we cannot imagine a vision of the good life where we don't get what we want. I'm going to say that again. We can't imagine a version of the good life where we can't get what we want. The leaders of these industries cannot imagine that they could make a little less money and hire people who are not undocumented children. Because to them, and in our society, if it brings you more money, it's good. But Jesus says, I have a better life for you, and it may not look like what you dreamed up the best life to be before you met Jesus. It's a failure of prophetic imaginations. Motions rise and fall on our ability to get what we want. That's how we know that we have been colonized by this world. Like what makes you sad, happy, angry? Is it you getting what you want? And how far will you go to get what you want? And what's happened today is nobody or nothing is allowed to stand in the way of us getting what we want. As a matter of fact, if anybody gets in the way of us getting what we want, today society calls it oppression. If I'm not able to get what I want, I am being oppressed. If I can't get what I want, I, I, can't, I can't be happy. I can't be happy unless I get exactly what I want. And this is off base from the message of Jesus. Can anybody see what I'm talking about right now? This is radical from America, but this is the gospel. It is off base from the message of Jesus. And this is the world that we are living in. As we disciple people, we have to help them see the world has colonized us. This is not what heaven looks like. This is not what Jesus desires for the world. And what have we decided? We've defined the world as being the system of popular ideas, values, practices, and social norms that are institutionalized in a culture organized around the twin sins of, remember it, rebellion against God and the redefinition of good and evil. What is good and what is evil? Making money is good, so you get to use children in the middle of the night. No, that's evil. We've redefined good and evil. I'm, and, and I'm using the meatpacking industry because I don't think there's any meatpackers in the room today who are going to be offended by using that example. But I could use a hundred starting from the most liberal parts of our society to the most conservative parts of our society. It is a thread that runs all the way through the world today. We get what we want and we don't care what happens to the other People, because myself and my desires are the most, thing, most important thing that's happening in the world. As a matter of fact, in today's society, God is not sacred any longer. It used to be that it was never right to deny God. Now, it's never right to deny myself. 
It never seems right to deny yourself. Uh, be true to yourself is what the world says, right? You only live once or, or be your authentic self, they will say. This is the orthodoxy of culture. Take up your cross? Sounds like nonsense. This is what the world says to us today. And I want to say this really quickly. When you, some of you hear this, deny yourself, Jesus is saying deny yourself, not deny yourself. This is what I, this is what I want, to, want to delineate here. God loves you. You are not evil. You are not a wicked sinner. You are a person created in God's image. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be loved. God wants you to feel loved. He wants you to be safe. He wants you to be secure. He wants you to be in your right mind. He wants you to be satisfied with the life that you have. This is, this is what you have to get in your brain. This is where some of us wrestle. The self, though, the self is something different entirely. The self-denial is at the core of discipleship. The self is where the world and your flesh come together and wage war against your soul. The world, the culture out there, appeals to our flesh and wages war against our soul. And, and this, this self-denial, this, this core of discipleship, it's a pattern of self-denial of taking up your cross. And this, this is the core of who we are as Christians. I will take up my cross and die to my self, to the self that desires to fulfill the lust of the flesh, the self that wants to conform to the world, the self that says whatever urges, whatever primary, primal urges that fire in my brain must be true, and I must explore them, and I must empower them, and I must animate them, because that is really where I'm supposed to go. And Jesus said, no, actually nail that to the cross and follow me. This is what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. We say, not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that, but so often we pray that for everybody else. When this is the prayer for us. Ooh, when he says, pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not, we're not praying, God, get them who are going against you. We're not saying, God, get my boss who didn't give me a raise. Uh, we're not saying, get my parents who aren't giving me everything I want. We're not, we're not saying, you know, get the right party in government. What we're saying is, in my life, let your will run my life, just like you're running everything in heaven. Everything in me that's in rebellion to who you are, God, I pray in my life, your will be done. It's a prayer of consecration. And there's parts of the church that I used to follow who have turned this into a prayer of getting every lust of the flesh fulfilled. Oh, there's no poverty in heaven, therefore I should be rich. No, that's not what that prayer is about. That prayer is about I am rebelling against God when I'm not thinking God thoughts and I want my thoughts to line up with your thoughts because in heaven, they all line up with your thoughts. That's what that prayer is about. <clears throat> it's self-denial. When we get baptized, we say we're being baptized into Christ's death. <laughs> And then brought up out of the waters into his resurrection. There is a world of prosperity, and I believe in prosperity. I'm going to keep saying it today because I believe it, but it's on the other side of the cross. And it does not 
have to look like the world's definition of prosperity. We have to have a better vision for our lives than that. We have to be able to be prophetic enough to see that there is a version of life that is satisfying and lovely and beautiful and enjoyable that looks different than the world. I baptize some people and I'm like, a month later, you're like, man, I don't think they got all the way baptized. I think they, some people, I'm like, I, think, I, I, I don't think you got your, wa- your wallet baptized with you there. Other people, I think your temper didn't get baptized with you there. Oh, your lust didn't get baptized with you there. Everything didn't die in the waters because all life is still about me. No, 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 no. We die just like Jesus died. Jesus didn't die so that he can have a prosperous life. He didn't die thinking, oh, this is how I'll get rich. No, he just died. And the Father raised him from the dead. He's called us to take up our cross and to die. When Peter was talking to Jesus, Peter was saying, Jesus, we've we've heard your way, but... Okay, hear me for a second, Jesus. Okay, Jesus says, listen, I'm going to go die. I'm going to go and I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be forsaken and I'm going to die. And Peter's like, okay, 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 I hear your plan. Yes, but... But, however, let's try a different plan, possibly. I have, I've been thinking about this a little bit. You've been bringing it up a lot, and I've been waiting for the right moment to tell you this, but um, maybe you don't die. Maybe, maybe I know you have the wisdom of God. I know, I know the Father's with you. I know the angels come. I see the miracles. I see the things that no other man has ever done, the raising of the dead, opening blind eyes. But perhaps you didn't think there's another option. Uh, I, I, I've been thinking, talking with the fellas, you know, we are kind of the executive team. We're the deacon board here. And, you know, you know sometimes you got to let the pastor know that he doesn't really know what he's doing. We know a little bit better. And so, um, Jesus, how about you um, don't die? How about we'll just change everything the Father has told you since the beginning of time, what you were created for, why you are here, the very purpose and humanity in you, and maybe you don't die. Peter's saying, you know, our world, you know... Just don't do that. Do what we think. How about, Jesus, you do what we think you should do, not what you think you should do? Now, when we hear Peter saying that, it sounds crazy. When we hear us saying that, we think it sounds reasonable. <laughs> Jesus, I hear what you're saying and doing in my life. However, I have another idea. I know, I know you've been busy in heaven. There's, there's war in Israel that you're probably distracted by. Um, but let's talk about this other thing that I have an idea about. And Jesus is like, hmm. Yeah, about that. Yeah, no, I think we already talked about that. I have um, men who speak into my life. Um, I have a, a, a great woman who speaks into my life. But um, I was talking to a, uh, uh, my mentor uh, this week, and um, uh, we were praying through some things and just trying to figure some things out. And uh, I was like, we really want to pray. And we talked, and he's asked me questions. And just, he asked, he asked too many questions. He asked uncomfortable questions. Anybody, anybody like that? Just keep asking so you can hear yourself. If you don't have anybody like that, get a pastor, all right? Get somebody to disciple you, ask questions, what's going on in your heart? And he says, uh, well, Carl, sounds like you've heard God pretty clearly on this. I was like, hmm, I guess I have. I just didn't hear what I wanted to hear on this. You ever been there? You ever, you know what God has said, but you keep waiting for a new word, a little new direction. Maybe that was a temporary word. Maybe, maybe he just meant for that season, you know, so you never really let the word enter you. You just kind of held it like this for a little bit, like as a, like some stinking dog poo poo that you had to carry home and put in the trash. And he's like, no, 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 bring that in the house. 
You know, let it, let it, let it, let the, let the odor linger in the house. This is, this is where we're at now. And you're like, no, but I want to move on. We'll move on when this becomes part of you, right? Not dog poo-poo. Nothing God gives you is dog poo-poo. That's, that's a bad illustration. But our world is saying this a thousand times. Our world is saying this all over. And it's masked a million ways. It's, it said things like, oh, look at all the corruption in the church today. Or, or oh, religion is it's just man-made. Or it says things like, oh, but look at, these, look at these scandals. I know that the Bible says that God's hope for the world is the church, but ah, I have a better idea. I, I came up with something better. Better than God. That's, that's, how's that working out? How much of the world are you changing with that? No, Jesus knows what he's doing. This is all a mask to keep from dying to self and following God. That's what all this is about. This is what all our grand ideas that go against God, the church, and our tradition. It's just a mask to keep from dying to self and following God. Let's keep reading uh, Matthew chapter here. Let's start, let's start in, in verse 25. Are you ready? Let's, 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 look, let's look at the Bible a little bit more. Matthew 16, 25, Jesus considering, continuing the conversation. He tells them, take up your cross and follow me. He says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what good will it do if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Pause for a second here. I want to teach you a little bit about Greek. I don't know much Greek. I know a little enough to be a heretic probably, but I try to keep it, try to keep it reined in, right? So this word here for life, we see here in the very first verse, whoever wants to save his life, that's the Greek word suke, right? It's suke. Now the word life there, it's suke, it's, it looks like psyche, and it's where we get the word psychology from. The word life and the word soul in this passage we're reading are the same Greek word suke. So this, this concept of the life, it's, it's, it's talking about where the world comes together with our flesh and determines who we are. That's, that's our life. He's not just saying keeping your body alive. It's the who you are. It's the you of you. It's, it's, it's partially of the flesh. It's partially of the world. It's partially of your thoughts, your imagination. It's the part of you that was designed to live in eternity with God. That was the dream for you when God first thought of you. It was that you would spend eternity in fellowship with God, loving Him, being loved by Him, living in His peace, under His umbrella of blessing, walking with Him, obediently resisting the devil. And then if your body should give out, you just continue living with him forever. That was the plan for our lives. Jesus talks about this life, the, the suke. For whoever wants to save his suke, his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what good will it do if he gains the whole world but loses his suke, his soul? Or what will a person give in exchange for his life, suke, soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in, his, in the glory of his Father with his angels and then will repay every person according to his... What's that word? Let's say it again. According to his... Mm, what you do matters. I mean, that's Jesus. I'm, I'm just reading the Bible here. 
well, I just, I just believe that, you know, we just need to be, well, what you believe, I'm telling you what Jesus said, the guy who created everything. Through his mouth, everything was created. We should learn what he said, I think. I, I believe if we got a Bible and we can read, we should read it and know what Jesus said is the truth. Because anything that does not agree with what Jesus said is a lie. And if you live a lie, when you die, you live with the liar. We want to live with the life the one who gives life, the life giver, the establisher of life. We want to learn who he is when we want to learn how to live with him here. That's what the church is for, that we learn how to live with him. We sit under the preaching of the word. We learn how to worship. We learn how to study. And then we learn how to fellowship and serve. And so Jesus says here that whoever will give up their lives will lose it, but whoever loses his life will, for my sake, find it. There's something interesting about this scripture that I want to point out. Hold one second here. Are we here? Uh, I'm going in the wrong direction. See, I'm going to get this at one point. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. I want to talk, point out this word here. Will. Will. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Not should, not ought to, just Will. What's interesting about the teachings of Jesus and how Jesus teaches is um, sometimes he gives directions, but other times he just says stuff. He just, he just says stuff and leaves it out there. He just kind of lets the world know this is how the world works. He says like it's better to give than receive, right? He just says it. It is. It's better to give then receive. He says, the last will be first and the, the first will be last. He says, the greatest among you will be a servant to the rest. He says, give and it will be given to you. Th these aren't commands. These aren't, these aren't teachings. This is, this is not what you ought to do. This is just things that followers of Jesus will accept as fact. No one can serve two masters, Jesus says. He just puts it out there. He just, he just says, this is, this is how the world works. He's not giving you a plan for prosperity. He, he's, not, he's not teaching you how to, to walk in a certain way of life. He's just saying, he's just saying um, 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 just the world thinks they can walk in life by doing whatever they want while rejecting the way of Jesus, and it's just not possible. This is Jesus. Just, he just says things matter-of-factly because he just believes that he's God for some reason. That he could just say things and it just be the truth. In fact, he is God and so he just declares things. People debate God like their opinion matters and Jesus is just laying things out as facts. No, this is, this is what it is. It's, it's like when your child comes and tells you what you're going to do and you're going to be like, no, actually you're going to bed at eight. No, I think I'm going to, no, actually I, I've already decided how this is going to go down. And Jesus gives us the way into his life. Jesus gives two options. He says, deny yourself and follow Jesus or deny Jesus and follow yourself. This is what Augustine, oh, sorry. This is what Augustine said about this. He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. This is what Jesus is getting at, that we will never find true peace until we've died to self and decided to follow 
Jesus. And so Jesus says there's two options in this world. We deny self and follow Jesus, or, or, or we deny Jesus and follow self. And I'm going to try to quickly move through a list here. If we deny Jesus, we live unsatisfied, we know peace, we run by desire, we're in slavery to want, and we lose our life. But if we deny self and we follow Jesus, we live satisfied, we get peace, we're motivated by love, and we're thankful, and we save our lives. This is, this is the teaching of Jesus. I want to quickly go through this so that you can see I'm not making this up or giving you some sort of red herring. First thing, he says, we can be satisfied or unsatisfied. These are our choices. First John says this, excuse me. In 1 John 2, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. Have you noticed that once you satisfy that thing that you want, that keeps you up, that you focus on all the time, as soon as you get it, you just want a little more? You're never satisfied. You're like, oh, I sacrificed everything to get this. And once you get it, you're like, this is great. And now if I can just get some accessories for it, or maybe I'll change out the thing or just the next, next version of it, or maybe I'll just, it just, it, it, it stuff never satisfies. Amen. You're never fully satisfied. The more you get, the more you want. And the devil uses this as a lifelong game to torment you into thinking that you'll be satisfied with a little bit more. Once your flesh is satisfied, it just wants more. Now, now this TikTok has this figured out, right? It, it knows how this algorithm knows how to keep you wanting more. Advertisers in New York have this figured out. And if they have this figured out, imagine how the, the embodiment of evil that Jesus called Satan, how long he's had this figured out. Just to tempt you with a little more. You desired love and a beautiful woman and you finally receive this beautiful woman into your life and then you start looking for another woman. Why would you do that? Right? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. And every man and every woman has been tempted with a little bit more than your relationship has given you. And some of us have had problems with that and some of us have fought it off, but everybody has to deal with it. A little bit more. Because the devil wants to destroy what we have. I'm thankful that God restores. Amen? I'm thankful that God, and when we fall down, he can restore us. And the greatest testimony is when a marriage hits the rocks and families put in the work to recover what was broken and stolen. Um, that's, those are the greatest testimonies in the church to me. Aside from kids who walk with Jesus their whole lives, that is like... That's, that's, that, that, that's the kingdom, but it's so much better to just say, that is the devil tempting me with more. Deny self, follow Jesus, and you get a satisfaction you don't get from the world. Satisfied is when you no longer need to get what you want to be happy. Amen. You no longer have to get what you want to be happy. Then, when that happens... Then the good in your life, hear me, this is going to be worth what you paid today. When you no longer need to get what you want to be happy, then the good in your life becomes a gift. It's not a right. It's not what the world owes you. 
It's all a gift. And you flow in thankfulness. That is a satisfied life. That is a satisfied life. You look across the street and you see those kids, you're like, oh man, those kids are so respectful. And all of a sudden, you've just devalued the children that God has brought you. Instead of being thankful for the kids in your life, loving them and being satisfied with where you're at. I'm going to move quickly because I have to move on here. And so, so we talk about now, if we deny Jesus, then we don't get peace. No Jesus, no peace, right? No Jesus, no peace. You seen those bumper stickers? It's, it's, it's true though. We get this peace, true peace. More than the absence of conflict. This is where the biblical concept of shalom comes from. Anybody study the word shalom before? Shalom is way bigger than peace. Shalom is, it's, it's, it's all encompassing. And, and when they greet people with shalom in Israel today, they're saying, may you be full of well-being or may peace and prosperity be upon you. This is shalom. It's the rest of God that gets to live in our lives. Second Thessalonians says this, now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you. The Lord be with you all. If you could turn me down just one hair, just, just, just a hair. The Lord be with you all. This is this shalom is what God has created. Is this good? I'm, I'm, I know I'm just teaching today. I'm not preaching. All. Are you getting anything out of this? I just want to make sure I'm connecting here. I got a lot of info. I, I want to I want to get it across because I want to see lives changed. Amen. I want to see something different established in Boca Raton. The shalom of God that would be upon us. The world says go for yours, but 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 God has something better. There's an inward sense of fullness and safety that only comes from a relationship with God. There is a peace and safety that only comes from a relationship with God. In, in, in the, the world Jesus, the word Jesus used for life and soul, suke, the root of psychology, it shares this understanding that the, 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 the whole you matters. I, w- I want you to get, I don't have a lot of time to get into this, but the whole you matters. And there's a holistic version of life that Jesus was teaching on where the whole you, you're like, you're not fractured. There's not part of my heart is over here and other part of me is completely opposite and I'm a different person in this setting than I'm in that setting, that I'm over there. There's this wholeness that comes from this peace that's like I am with God and that is the whole me. I, I, don't, I don't have to fake who I am in different settings. I don't have to be a, a fake version of myself. I can be the authentic God-created me at peace in every situation because I know I'm right with God. And that makes me the best version of me. We want our whole soul integrated as one life. Not double life, not, but a single life at peace with God. And when our soul desires, when our soulish desires run our life, we break apart. And the solution is not to, to try to, you know, okay, I better exercise some more. I, I, okay, I'm seeing, I'm lying, I've got to fix this. It, it's, it's, it's not external. It's not, what, what's happening in the world today is when we feel fractured, the world has to be fractured with us. Otherwise, we're being oppressed. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says that the, the way to fix things is to work on the foundation. My relationship with God. It has to start from there. It can't start externally. It has to start internally. And I'm not talking about looking side to the self. 
my inner peace, my inner whatever. No, 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 no. It's the me, the inner me connected to the Spirit of God, laying my desires at His feet so that the true life of God can be manifested around me. Amen? Amen. I hope that makes sense. But what what do we do with our, our desires? We have desires. Well, when we decide to deny Jesus and follow ourselves, we're, we're run by our desires. Our desires determine what we think about. Our desires create our worldview. When, when we legitimize our desires, when, when we legitimize the worst aspects of self, we then want the world to line up with our image of self. Instead of when we deny self and follow Jesus, we're no longer wanting the world to line up with us. Our entire lives are motivated by love. All of our lives get to be dictated by love. People treat us poorly. We don't feel like they have to change to accept me. We can love them unconditionally. They, 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 it make, here, here's, the, here's the way I like to look at this. And, and this is kind of new agey sounding, but it's not. When you are fully motivated by love, you become clear. There's, there's nothing in you that offenses can land on. There's nothing in you that sin can land on. Because I've died with Christ. And so you may be sinning, but you're not sinning against me. You're sinning against Christ. That's between you and God. I am fully free to love. I get to receive you for who you are. You might be a bad person, but I can receive you. As that bad person, I can love you unconditionally. You slap me, I give you the other cheek. You steal from me one thing, I give you the other. You want me to walk a mile? I can walk too, because I refuse to be offended by you. You can't hurt me. You can't, I'm not saying me, I'm just saying that's how the concept works. I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. Amen, I just, I, 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 I have a mentor who's there. His name is Jesus, right? And I'm trying to be more like him. He keeps showing me, amen. He keeps showing me, Carl, you said things that hurt my feelings, but I'm not hurt, right? Like, I understand you're broken, right? So, I, like, but this is who we want to be. We want to be clear. Aren't you tired of carrying around offenses? Aren't you tired of, like, you get in the shower and arguing with the same people over and over and over again? <laughs> I mean, at some point that gets old and we have to learn, okay, something in my life has to die so I can live in love. I can manifest love. I can just, man, it's not me. It's not about the external world lining up with my desires. It's about me being at peace with God and being able to love the people around me. And I'm not going to talk about this this week, but that's where miracles flow. Miracles come from that place right there. When you can walk in forgiveness, when you can walk in love, all of a sudden, healing miracles, prophetic miracles, financial miracles flow from that place. They don't only flow from that place. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, wherever he wants, to whomever he wants. But right there, you tap into miracles because God is love. But our desires, you have to ask yourself, do our desires run our lives? Or do our desires come out of my ordered desires based on Jesus. We've talked about this. This is the last time we're going to say this together. Deceitful ideas appeal to disordered desires that are normalized in sinful society. Are our desires ordered by God or have we disordered them according to our flesh? We deal with the symptoms, not the root cause. The world, our flesh, the devil, that's, that's the root. That's what we need to deal with. And if you live your life trying to get the external world to line up with your inner world, you're going to live frustrated. This is the key to a frustrating life. 
as, as I have um, two grown children now, many of you have young children, and um, a, a frustrating way to live life is to wish your kids were different than who they are. And at some point, they're going to be adults. And it, at some point, you have to say, this is who this person is. And I have to love them for who they are. You can guide them and direct them, but God gave them their own little annoying personality. <laughs> and at some point, you have to say, this is, this, this is a person. Just like my coworker is a person and my mom is a person who has their own behaviors, your children. And so as you learn to live in love with the kids, this is who they are. I want to bring out the best in them. Our, 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 our peace cannot be dependent on a trouble-free life. Whatever human flourishing is, and now I want to just drop this in your spirit so you can think about it. If we think about human flourishing, whatever it is, and, and I got this from John Mark Comer. I, I wish I came up with this. I didn't. Whatever human flourishing is, it has to include a person born with Down syndrome or facing bankruptcy. If human flourishing does not include those people, then we have the wrong concept of flourishing. It has to include everybody. It has to include people going through things beyond their control, who are born with things beyond their control. Human flourishing has to be something different. It cannot be a trouble-free life. What your flesh wants is self-gratification. But there is a greater cost to choosing self-gratification. Instant gratification is the most expensive choice you can make. People are like, oh, it's just going to take, it's just going to cost me so much to die to my will and give in to God's will. It will cost you more to give in to sin, I promise you. Yep. It will cost you more to do what you want to do in this situation than it will to follow God. Following God is the cheapest way to live, I promise you. When you tap into the wisdom of God, you tap into the love of God, you have short accounts with people, just you, it, the payoff is so much greater following God than following your desires. It is a far costlier choice to choose your own desires. Why is that? Because there is the slavery of want. And this is why people are making money in advertising. They're getting rich off of your desires. It's called the slavery of want. Here, here's the point of this message. And this is what I'm going to distill this down to. I'm tired of the devil blackmailing people in my church, keeping them living in depression and fear, making us think that our lives are dictated by the size of our bank account or the ease of our jobs or that how great our kids are at sports or schoolwork or any other external thing that would dictate our joy. This is the slavery that Jesus has come to set us free from. But we have to want to be free. You say amen. amen. We have to, amen. We have to want to be free. This is a hard choice. You might be able to live somewhere better than you're living here in South Florida. But for some of you, Jesus called you to be a witness right here. This is better than more money in an evil place. This, it's it's, it's, it's ba way better to live with less money in God's will. The desire for more robs us of thankfulness. 
If we choose ourselves, we are in slavery to want. You are never satisfied. But when we deny self, you get to live in thankfulness. Now, we're going to talk about this for the next two weeks coming up. God is so funny. I was, um, I was praying into this. I, I set up a preaching calendar about six months ago and where we're going the rest of the year. And Duke and I were hanging out and Duke starts preaching to me about thankfulness. I'm like, that's so funny. I'm about to preach to you for two weeks on thankfulness. Go ahead. Give me all you got, Duke. I'll use it for sermon illustrations. I'll use the scriptures you give me because I'm preaching on it for two weeks. Go ahead. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm here to tell you living a thankful life is a happier life. It's a happier life, and it's an internal job. This is what we want. We want to save our lives. This is what Jesus wants for you. He wants you to save your life, and we only, give it, we only get that by losing it. And again, I, I, I'm going to come on up here, Mike, if you would. Let's look at our scripture one more time. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What good is it if you gain the whole world? This is what we're talking about. Lose your soul. You've run after desire your whole life. And at the end of your life, you got nothing. Money is not going to visit you in the hospital. What is it if a person gains the whole world, loses his soul? What will a person give in exchange for his soul? Or what will a person... Whoops. Or exchange for a soul. For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with the angels and will then repay every person according to his deeds. That, that means there's things that we need to do. What's interesting about this little story here about take up your cross and follow me, it's in all four Gospels. There aren't many things in all four Gospels. Take up your cross and follow me, all four Gospels. That means I don't just, you know, at, at, at eight I get christened or baptized at youth camp or, or whatever and now I'm set for life. No, take it up and follow me. As a matter of fact, in Luke here, the way Luke puts it, he says, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily. Daily. It's a daily choice to follow Jesus. Have you noticed? It's a daily choice. And it can feel like, man, this is hard. Man, this is dragging me down. Man, this is rough. This is, I keep praying this thing away and it's, and it's, and it's not, I'm not getting what I wanted. And then, and then sometimes when you move into thankfulness, you look back where, where you're at now. You look, you look where you're at now and you're like, wow, my, my life actually, I have people I can trust. I have a community of faith. I know the word of God. I'm starting to collect miracles in my life. I'm collecting testimonies in my life. Like, and every now and then we got to stop. I learned this in the Boy Scouts. You go hiking, you got a map, and you got a direction, and you're walking, right? You're following the little map, and it's different with a GPS now. Now you just don't have to know anything. You just follow a little dot, right? But you would get a map, and then every now and then you got to stop. You say, okay, at the point I should be right now, there should be like a, a hill on my right in a lake on my left am I there now and where do I go from here and we got to every now and then stop in our walk and say okay what, what's motivating me in this season what comes up in my prayer life more than anything else in this season 
Where is Jesus in my life in this season? I was talking with a, a brother who was um, wanted me to kind of be a part of what he's doing, and I'm, and I'm happy about what he's doing, and it's great, and all that. They shared their values and all that. I'm like, man, this is this is great stuff. I, oh, this is all, yeah, this is good. Uh, one problem: your values on this ministry thing. I don't. Where's Jesus? Like, where's Jesus? Oh, that's a given. No, Jesus is not a given. Spell it out. <laughs> is Jesus important in this season of my life? Spell it out. In what ways am I demonstrating that Jesus is important in this season of my life? What is Jesus doing in my life right now? And am I taking part in it? Am I letting him transform me? Am I hearing his voice and obeying? Am I being transformed in the image of God? Am I taking brave steps forward to push back against the desires of my flesh, against the lies of the devil, and against the colonization of the world in my heart, the world's normalization of sin? Am I doing that or have I just been conquered? Every now and then we got to look at the map and say, am I, am, I, am I moving anywhere? Have I gotten anywhere in the last year, in the last month? In this season of my life. If you want to lose weight, you step on the scale every day and you see, am I getting anywhere? If you want to read a book, it's got page numbers to let you know you're going somewhere. If you're building a business, you look at the financial records. Walk with Jesus. It's important that you stop. Talk to your mentor. Hey, this is what God has been talking to me about. Are you seeing any growth? Where do you, what are you hearing? When I say this, what do you hear? You talk to your peers around you. Man, I've been struggling with this thing. I'm growing in God. Do a spiritual checkup every now and then because we want to make sure. The devil is so sneaky. Like I said, if TikTok and advertising have figured out this system, Satan certainly has. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. Paul lived this way. Here's what he said. I have been crucified with Christ. It's not even I who live anymore. But Christ lives in me. Oh, don't you wish that was your testimony? We quote it, but don't you wish that was really your testimony? I do. I'm closer now than I was 10 years ago nowhere near as close as I want to be I can tell you that much there's a whole lot more Carl here than I want and if we look in our hearts you might find the same thing there's way more of you there than you want the self we're talking about not the you created in God's image the self that's the collision of your flesh in the world the you that ah just needs more the you that can't quite be satisfied yet the you that wants the world to line up with what your values are. The life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Don't you wish when you looked at your bank account, you looked at it through faith in the Son of God? The problems your kids are going through, you see it through faith in the Son of God. The sexual purity you're trying to walk out as you're turning away from pornography and turning toward the Word. Ah, I just, I want it to be the Son of God living in me, not me living in my flesh. 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Hear me, friend. Jesus died on a cross. He lived a life without sin. He came to earth for one purpose, and that was to die so that the Father could raise him from the dead, so that we could have new life. That's what this whole thing is about. That's what the church is about. That's what the book is about. That's what Jesus came for, that he would be raised from the dead so that you and I could have faith in him and receive his spirit on the inside of us to empower us to turn away from this power of the world, this power of sin, this power of the devil and his lies. The Holy Ghost of God would have a voice in our life saying, hey, I know the world is telling you this, but I have a better way. I have life for you. I have a way forward. I have resurrection power for you. I have joy for you. I have peace for you. I have life abundant. This is why Jesus came. And friend, I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know what sin has ensnared your life, but I'm here to tell you Jesus conquered it. And in him, you can have victory. It does not need to conquer your life any longer. Through Jesus, he can repair marriages, he can repair families, he can repair finances, he can repair your reputation, he can take you from down and out to up and coming. God is a God of victory in your life. You say amen. God is a God to bring you out of a rough place and into a place of prosperity. God wants you to live an abundant life. He wants you to live with the angels surrounding you and the cloud of witnesses with you at all times, with the Spirit of God cheering you on, with the testimony of God holding you up when you feel like you're going to fall down. God is cheering you on to follow Jesus, to die with Him, but come up out of that baptism water in victory, in resurrection, in power, and in life. Can you say amen? Stand with me if you would. Jesus didn't die so we didn't have to die. He shows us how to die so we can come back from the grave with Him. This is something we do with Jesus. And I want to close with this. In order to live this life that God has for you, you have to believe in God's good intention toward us. You have to believe that Jesus actually has good plans for your life. St. Ignatius was famous for the saying that God's intention towards us is happiness. And we war with God because we don't really trust that His plans for us are good. That's what it all comes down to. That we don't really trust that His plans are good. I'm here to tell you, friend, you can trust God. You can trust that His plans for your marriage are good. His plans for your finances are good. That His plan for your children are good. This plan for your health is good. You can trust. Now, some of you have been hurt by your father, and so it's hard to trust Father God. Friends have treated you bad, and so now you're like, I don't know 
that I can trust, Pastor. Maybe, maybe you had close people and they've always betrayed you. And so now you find yourself expecting God to leave you stuck. Friend, Holy Spirit is here to heal that. Holy Spirit is here to root you on. I'm telling you, the love of God will come into this room and he'll begin to flood your heart with a love that you've never experienced on your own. He'll come and he'll change the entire worldview that you have had based on not your pain, but the acceptance that Father has for you. You were at your worst when Jesus died. And he said you were worth it. He said that you were valuable enough to be bought with a very expensive price. A thing is worth whatever someone will pay for it. And the Father paid for you with His Son. That's how valuable you are. And you have to trust that the one who purchased you back from the devil considers you valuable. That His heart grieves when you're grieving. That He mourns when you mourn. That He's pained when you were wronged. When you were violated. When trust was broken. He was suffering with you. Because He's a loving God. But today, if you will turn your heart and put your trust in God, the Spirit of God will come and begin to flood your heart with that love will flood your heart with that hope. If you make a decision today, I'm going to turn to Jesus and turn away from myself. My friend, you get solutions that you couldn't come up with. You get love that you could not conjure up. You get victory that you could not plan. You get a life more abundant than you could ever hope or dream. Oh, you have dreams for your future, but they do not even compare to the dreams that the Father has for your future. I know this to be true. Let's all pray right now. In your own ways and in your own words, I'm not going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to pray your own prayer today, wherever you're at. I want to challenge you to pray. I'm going to turn from myself, from my desires, from my need to understand, my need to know, my need to plan, to trust in Jesus. I'm going to trust Jesus in my scary parts. I'm going to trust Him in my ugly parts. I'm going to trust Him. Keep praying if you would. I got a word for someone and I'm going to talk about this for two weeks. You're in a trial today. But one day you're going to thank Jesus for this trial because you're going to come out like gold. You don't know how you're going to survive this season. But I'm telling you, you're going to look back on this season and see Jesus all over it. If you will just put your faith in Him today. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for these under the sound of my voice. Oh, it's scary in this world to trust God. The world tells us it's all man-made. The world tells us it has more wisdom, has more philosophy. The world tells us that fools 
believe in these superstitions. Fools would trust another person, Father, but we know that this is just the manifestation of scared people. Scared to trust other people because they are scared. Let me say that again. We're scared to trust other people because we are scared to trust God. And we ask you to forgive us today, Lord. Forgive us in every area that we've turned away from what we know to be good and true toward what sounds like a better plan. Our no, 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 Jesus, I have a better plan. I've thought of something better. We ask you to forgive us today. We thank you that just like you did not cut off Peter, you don't cut off us. We thank you that you're still rooting us on into that better plan. And we pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us and guide us Empower us with your Holy Spirit so that when things are really hard and the temptation looks really good and when our soul is raging with these desires, we can still say, no, 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 no. I'm going with God. I'm going with truth. I'm going with what I know. I pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, for a fresh baptism in the Spirit for the people in this room. Wow. A fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. Wind of God come. Wow. A fresh fire will come upon the people of God in this house. A fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire would come. Giving us power over the devil. Power over the flesh. Power to be a witness in this age, Father. I pray in the name of Jesus. A fresh burning passion to read the word a burning passion to follow Jesus a burning passion to be a witness in this age that is passing away it is passing away with his riches but we say our riches are in you Jesus Christ all my fountains are in you God and Father I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you would seal these people with your precious Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Can you give a clap offering to the Lord? We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. And we trust you at your word. I pray that you would put this word into action this week, that you would be witness to people around you, Thank you again for the pastor appreciation and blessings. Is there, are there refreshments? There's refreshments, as my wife has taught me what that word means. That's not just drinks, apparently. And so hang out. Say thank you to Pastor Tracy and our elders, Mike and Sue. And God bless you. Love one another, if you would. And have an amazing week. I will see you Sunday. God bless.